Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we head across sprawling emerald fields through ancient towns of times gone by and visit Italy. Buonasera, signore e signori. E benvenuti in un altro episodio di A Good Drop. I have no idea what you just said, but we are talking about Masala today. Yes, we're in Italy, on the west coast of Sicily, talking Masala. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, the the sound of a cork lightly popping its way out of a bottle. Yeah, and it it never sounds the same way twice. It doesn't. Different bottle, different cork. Well, I mean, once you've once it's had that initial pop, it never sounds the same. Yeah, no. But also, I don't think any bottle ever sounds quite the same as another one. Same styles of bottles, I guess, sound similar. But yeah, I mean, if you get the same bottle, it'll sound the same. Yeah, um, but yeah. Every different variety. Uh, anyway, we're talking about masala, not uh, about corks and bottles and different shapes. That's, that's right. That's a different episode. Yes, talking about corks and corkage is a different thing completely. So, masala, yes, it is a dry or sweet fortified wine that is produced in the region surrounding the Italian city of masala in Italy. And it derives its name from masala. The city, that city on the west coast of Sicily, like we said in the intro. Yeah, and uh, it is produced actually in a very similar way to port, mm, which and, and sherry. Yeah, which is a process called perpetion, which yeah is uh, similar to the Solera system. And uh, if you haven't caught any of our previous times we've talked about the Solera system, it's an aging process by which a new batch of the liquor being aged is added at a constant interval, usually annually, to the existing batch or batches. Mm. So, in effect, you, ha- you, have the, you have some of whatever, whatever's in the barrel that you started with still in the barrel 50, 100 years later. Yeah, so then you've got stuff in there that's 100 years old, that's 99 years old, that's 98 years old, that's 97 Mm. years old, and stuff that's brand spanking new. Yeah, and And it all blends and creates that particular style that the uh, distiller or wine producer wants. Yes, and leads to an interesting complexity of flavors, usually. Mm. There's nothing quite like it. Uh, So, well, we should um, first off say that uh, masala is not an Italian invention. It was invented by a wealthy British merchant called John Woodhouse in the late 1700s. Uh, it was supposed to be a wine that uh, could withstand long sea voyages. Uh, just li- and just like port, brandy was added to make it more seaworthy and more resistant to changes in temperature and beca- became a big hit with the British. Yeah, so let's let's tell the tale of how it happened, because it's, it's a good story. They're always a good story. Yeah. And uh, because it did begin with an Italian invention that uh, that old mate changed slightly. Oh. So the tale goes that in 1773, John Woodhouse from Liverpool 
was sailing to Mazara del Vallo to close a business deal, but a storm hit and forced him to land his ship in the port of Masala instead. Now, to celebrate his lucky escape of the storm, he went to the local tavern on the port, and there he tasted a drink that they called Perpetuum, which was a strong local wine, similar in flavour to Madeira or Port, which were popular in England at the time, of course, because, you know, they liked fortified wines. Yeah, and Port and port being from Portugal and uh, Madeira being from Spain. Yeah, and uh, so Woodhouse decided that he'd test his luck, bought 50 barrels of it, and took it back to England, and sold them all within a week, and decided, well, people like that, mm. and then set sail back to Italy in 1776 to permanently set up shop in Sicily, developing a business based on the commercialization and mass production of masala. And yes, it was those 50 barrels that he put the brandy in to make sure they'd survive the voyage. Mm. Which is pretty much how masala, sorry, not masala, Madeira and port was born as well. Yeah. It spoiled on the way, so they... The, the Dutch added brandy to port and to the Portugal wine to make it last longer, and it was a big damn hit. Yeah. Fa- now, fantastic. Mm, and what's interesting historically is that by the end of the 18th century, masala was consumed on all British naval vessels. And by 1806, new markets for masala had opened in Europe and the Americas, but for all of that time, masala was being produced by the Brits. And it wasn't until 1832 when Italian entrepreneur Vincenzo Florio bought up great swathes of land between the two biggest established masala producers and began manufacturing it for himself that ownership began to change to Italians. Mm. And in the late 19th century, Florio purchased Woodhouse's firm, among others, and consolidated the masala wine industry. That's awesome. So it's now an Italian drink versus a British-made Italian drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and you can still visit the Canteen Florio in tours of Western Sicily if you want to go. Yep, and uh, Florio, along with Pellegrino, which is what we are drinking now, mm. are the leading and best-known manufacturers. Well, leading and best known, yeah, leading and best known manufacturers of masala to this day. And in fact, masala now still has to be produced in masala, of course. It has, as of 1969, got the denomination de original controllata and mm. is, in fact, the oldest Italian DOC wine. Mm. It got it before. Any other Italian type of wine. There you go. Hmm. Hmm. And yeah, so... I suppose the other way you... Like, we hadn't really heard much about masala. Uh, It's not terribly popular in Australia. No, it's used a lot for cooking, though. And in fact, Mm. when I was hunting down a bottle for us to use... To drink, when, to drink. To drink. Not yes, to cook. For us to use for this episode. Yeah. To, to drink. I was frequently asked, was I looking for cooking masala? Was I a chef? 
<laughs> yeah. At, at several different places. Yeah. And because mostly you'd say masala, they'd say, what's that? You'd say, well, it's used in cooking. They'd go, oh, you're a chef. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what a lot of the cheap masala is used for. And quite often some crazy manufacturers decide to add salt and a few other like herbs and stuff and turn it into a quote unquote cooking masala, which is just like rubbish. Yeah, you certainly wouldn't want to drink it. No, and from all these articles I've read is that they think it's also rubbish and if you can't drink it, you shouldn't cook with it. Mm, well, that <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And I mean, what was quite easy to find was an Australian thing that does not label itself as masala, but a lot of bottle shops will tell you is masala. Mm. But of course, it's not masala because it wasn't made in masala. No, but it's, you know, the Australian version of it. Um. But not yeah, it's not quite the same. And as you and I both know, it's definitely going to taste different. Oh yeah, from being from a different country, well, even if it's exactly is... the same thing. It, like even if you use exactly the same grapes and the process, like just the climate's different, the way the grapes grow are different. You know. Yeah the the land is different, the soil mm. is different, the proximity to the ocean is different, the water is different. Yep. Yeah, and that all makes a difference to the grapes, as you would know, dear listeners, from all of our wine episodes where we talk about the grapes and where they grow and the difference it makes to flavor. Yeah, and like the two different stuff, like Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio, same grape, just harvested at different times of the year. Yeah, grown in different places usually. Sometimes not. Sometimes not, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, on that note, let's taste this yes. Italian concoction. Yes, taste it, smell it. Cheers. Cheers. Well, oh, your right. does smell like port. Yeah, it smells a lot like port, really sweet. I would say it's more like, smells more like, I would say it smells more like Madeira though. Like it's not as, uh doesn't smell as sweet or as syrupy as port. Like it smells more mm. um, herby. Yeah, I mean it definitely still has a sweetness to it, but you're right, I didn't. Pick up that sort of herby smell before, but mm. I could definitely see why people. I can definitely already see why people cook with it, and I haven't even tasted it yet. Oh, that's really different, huh? Like it smells familiar, but tastes very different. Yeah, that's um, that's not sweet at all. Well, it, it's well, a little there's, sweet. There's a sweetness to it, but it's not something you would describe as sweet. Yeah, like a um, okay. Well, semi-sweet, I would, I would say. No, it's definitely not. Uh, it's not bitter, that's for sure. Hmm. Or dry. Or dry. No. What would you liken it to? Sweet, like a Pinot Noir, is sweet. Yeah. Because often when people describe. Often when we describe uh, wines as dry, it's like sour or tart, like on that like sour tart scale. But this is not... Yeah, this is neither sour nor tart. But it's not sweet. But it's not... It's not <laughs> neutral either, though. It's a little yeah. sweet. It, yeah, it's leaning towards the sweet side. Yeah. Um, but leaning, not stepping over that line. Yes, it's definitely not... Sweet. Nobody would say, if you like sweet things, you'll like this. Yeah. Because it's not the sort of thing that you'd be drawn to with a sweet tooth. But 
But yeah, semi-sweet. Yeah, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Very interesting. I like. I kind of like it, and because it's not, um, because it's not sweet like a port, like sweet. Yeah. Um, you can really taste the booze, the extra brandy they've added. Mm, you can. You you can almost differentiate between almost. the grapes and the brandy. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. It does a little dance. <laughs> yeah, on your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. It is. And I think it goes down easier than... I think it goes down easier than port. Yeah. Well... If you're not in the mood for sweet stuff, absolutely. I wouldn't call this a... I don't know if I'd call this a dessert wine. Yeah. No, I don't think I would either. Yeah. Um... I I still reckon you could pair it with like after dinner stuff like cheese and cheeses and dried fruit. Yeah, I think nuts. it's something that you would pair with. Um, you'd pair it with a savory, mm. with a savory dish. Yeah, perhaps with an entree or with, you know, with a main or even with a little snack that you have between dinner and dessert if you were so inclined to eat that sort of meal, or even just you know. With cheeses because you're having cheeses. Mm. So, the experts say uh, things like smoked meats, walnuts, almonds, olives, soft goat's cheese are good options for dry masala or seco, and chocolate-based desserts and Roquefort cheese for a sweeter masala wine pairing. Or whip up a tasty, tasty classic chicken masala recipe and serve the same masala wine with the dish. And I must say that uh, masala chicken is a favorite of mine. Hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that I like this. But then there are a lot of different spices and things added to a masala chicken. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So masala is made from local indigenous white grapes like Catarato Grillo or the highly aromatic Inzolia grape. It's usually a combination of all three, but occasionally they make make it with just one variety. The fermentation of the masala is halted by the addition of a grape brandy when the residual sugar content reaches the reaches the predetermined levels according to the sweet dry style the maker is shooting for. Similar to the Solera system of blending various vintages of sherry, masala goes through a perpetual system where a series of vintage blendings take place. Now, masala is uh, classified according to its color, age, alcohol content, and sweetness. Uh, it is so. The color classifications are uh, ambra or amber colored, and it's made with white grapes. Oro, which is gold, goldish colored, and it's still made with with white grapes. And you've got rubino or ruby colored, which is made with red grapes, like. Pignatello or Norello Mascalese. Mm, or even the uh, Nero Diavola grapes, which make fantastic wine. Mm. Mm, they really do. And you'll, uh, have to get, you'll have to get your hands on a bottle of that. Oh, I have one. Do you? I do. I feel like cracking that anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, we should talk about the grading scale based on aging as well. Mm. Now, the one-year-old masala is considered to be a fine grade. The two-year-old is rated as superior grade. Four-year-old is superior reserve. And five-year-old is virgin. And and sometimes you can get the virgin soleras. As the name implies, it's a masala blend of multiple vintages with a minimum of five years of aging. And the masala stravaccio, aged a minimum of 10 years in oak. Mm, in oak, that would make some interesting flavors. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of oak, how's our uh, barrel going? Oh, so well. The It's delicious now. Like <laughs> It's been about six months, I think. Yeah, it is so much better than than what we put in there. Yeah, I bet. Are you still topping it up? Or are you just letting it... Um... No, just letting it sit. It's not really dropping at all. Okay. But the the barrel is definitely well seasoned. We need to mm. do another episode where we swap it out for the ludicrous amounts of whiskey that will be required to fill it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the... Um... The next thing, so back to masala. The next thing we've got to talk about is the uh, alcohol content because uh, typically the lowest aging classifications have the lowest alcohol content. For example, masala fine is typically around 17% and the superior reserver designation starts the alcohol content of 18+. plus. Then you've got the sweet and dry styles where they get into technicalities about how many grams of uh, sugar per litre for uh, semi-sweet. So sweet, it generally is over 100 grams of sugar per litre. That's a lot of sugar. That is. Uh, Semi-seco or semi-sweet, between 50 and 100 grams of sugar per litre. And seco or dry, uh, generally has a sugar content of under 40 grams. Mm. Yeah. And so what? So now that we've described what kind of classifications there are, what are we drinking? So what we are drinking at the moment is the Pellegrino Masala Fine. Fine. With uh, it says IP on the front. Yes. Do we? Did we find out what that means? I I can't find anything about what the IP means, but the search goes on. So, the Pellegrino Masala Fine IP is a fortified wine made with local and mostly unknown grapes, such as Inzolila, Grillo, and Catarato. Sweet with a straightforward fruitness, it is used in numerous recipes, but also quite nice as a dessert wine, slightly chilled. Mm, I suppose chilling would... uh as is usually the case, change the flavor and the consistency somewhat. Hmm. And that does have me curious as to what would occur if we chilled it. But not that curious. Yeah. Well, we we both know that it will uh, increase the sweetness and reduce some of the spicy flavors that we can, that we taste at the moment. Yeah. Um. But it, I would say it wouldn't overly improve it 
No, I well, and it's it's supposed to be consumed at room temperature, hmm. and it does taste good like that. Now, what we should probably mention, having talked about all of the savory, having talked about all of the savory uses for masala, hmm. is that the sweet masalas are often used in desserts like tiramisu. So, I haven't got anything else. No, me neither. That's. Uh, Pretty much all we've got. So, kind of a, a quick one today, mm. I suppose. Short and sweet, like a uh, drink of masala. Like a drink of masala. Short and a little bit sweet. Mm. Unless you get a sweet one, in which case, that's sweet. Sweet. Like, from the sounds of how much sugar goes in it. Yeah. Well, sweet. That's the same amount of sugar as a can of Coke. It's a lot. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend drinking a, a uh, can's worth of masala. That would be uh, enough to put you on your ass. Mm, that's a lot of masala, yeah. Because mm. it always surprises me when they talk about, you know, do those pictures of how many donuts worth of sugar are in a can of Coke, and all I get from that is, wow, donuts are healthier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on whether it's iced and whether there are sprinkles on it or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, this is a drink we haven't had before. So, how many bottle caps would you rate it, Mr. Mickle? Mm. Because we haven't rated, we haven't had the opportunity to rate much for a while. No, we've been drinking things that we've had before, but this one is fresh and new, and it is fresh, like flavor-wise. And I, I think maybe uh, seven and a half. Yeah, I would rate it about the same, because it's. I mean, it's a fortified wine. It's a sipping wine, but it's very light on the palate. It's not uh, sickly. I'm definitely. I'm definitely convinced this is a semi-sweet. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, it's, yeah, it's light on the palate. It doesn't, doesn't leave your mouth feeling sticky. Um, the flavors are really interesting, um, unlike some other fortified wines I've had. Uh, this is, yeah, interesting. There's lots of flavors. I can definitely see it going well in cooking. I, yeah. I know exactly why they use this for cook. To, to cook with. Yeah, going well in food and as a good accompaniment for food. Mm, so a solid seven and a half to eight. Yeah, because I, I just, I know there are things in my liquor cabinet that are going to come out more often than this, mm. which is why it's lower. Because it wouldn't be, there are other things that I would preference above it. Yeah, I would, well, I would preference this more for a cooking uh, alcohol than a drinking alcohol. Yes, I think I'd, I'd rate it higher as a cooking alcohol than as a mm. as a drinking alcohol. Yeah. Uh, so on that... Maybe, maybe an eight and a half as a cooking alcohol. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because you can use it in savory dishes and sweet dishes. So much flexibility. Uh, so, if you that's it for this episode, guys. So, if you liked what you heard, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. You can find us on your favorite podcast apps as a good drop all about alcohol. And of course, we are on the socials, Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. And if you want to check out our library of previous episodes, you can jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any comments, questions, uh, suggestions for future future episodes, or uh, if you want to tell us about your favorite brand of cooking spirits, send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com and be sure to tune in next time when we talk about Bekorovka. 
Yeah. From uh, the Czech Republic. Yes, from the Czech Republic. Something, another drink we haven't had before. It's a uh, a local specialty. Yeah, something that I'm I'm quite looking forward to because I've enjoyed everything I've consumed from that region of the world. Mm. Vodka. Vodka. Several different kinds of vodka. Yeah, more more vodka. What else comes out of there? Anchovies. I think so, yeah. King crab comes from around that region too. No, oh, it does. That's true. That's true. And that's fantastic. Uh, anyway, stay tuned for uh, hearing us gasp and swear because it's dreadful, or at least because it's strong. I'm, I'm expecting it to be strong. Me too. So until then, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>